about a half million dollars. We did $314,375 on Kickstarter, and we also did another um, just over $175,000 so far in Backerkit. And our um, uh, pre-order store is open for a couple more weeks, so hopefully that number will go up. Uh, more retailers are, are jumping on board. We have a couple at the LTN uh, group that did that. And um, so that's what I'm here to talk about. But first, you get to hear about me. And uh, that's my wonderful wife, uh, Christy. She is like, so we were kind of, in a way, I felt God saying that I would be like Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was a governor of Judah that really served as God's signet ring to the Gentile nations at that time. And Jeshua, the son of Jehozadak, was the high priest at that time. Jeshua was the high priest of Israel that was kind of like God's mouthpiece to the people, while Zerubbabel was the mouthpiece to the Gentile kingdoms. And God said that I would be like that to the Gentile kingdoms. So we can talk about that a little bit more, but um, that is my high priest, if you will. She has done so much to make sure that deliverance is theologically sound. I'm like, let's do this because it's cool. And she's like, yeah, but you can't, demons can't get blessed. You know, like, well, why not? Like mechanics though, you know? And she's just like, no, uh-uh. So that's the reason deliverance is theologically sound. This is the reason that deliverance took six years. So I've got five daughters and uh, five in a row and then one little son. He's one year old now and uh, he's like the easiest baby. I'm just like, all right, I'm done after this. And then it's like, well, you know, he's easy. I'm just like, I'm not so opposed after a year of that baby. I'm sure I'll get one more that's like, oh, why did I do this to myself again? You know, but I love my kids so much. Um, I also love Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, so I do human chess. I earned my black belt last year um, at uh, pretzel folding and human chess is what I call it. We pretty much put heavy pajamas on and hug is really what it is. Uh, it's like upside down wrestling with finishing moves. And that's my brother, my best friend. Uh, very, uh, uh, actually, I, I was started to get interested in his sister, Christy. He's like, why don't you come off and, and uh, let me show you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And I'm like, okay. I'm all skinny, uh, 150 pounds or so. I just finished college wrestling, so I didn't know what else to do other than slam him into the ground. I slammed him on his head, and then he triangle choked me, and it was like one of those moments in Step Brothers. Did we just become best friends? What's your favorite dinosaur? Velociraptor, you know? So I, uh, I actually do a lot of uh, board game marketing. So when 2020 hit, um, my business, I, I do digital marketing. I did websites for small businesses and SEO marketing and things like that. And then every website client was like, you know, it's like 14 days to flatten the curve. I'm a little worried about the, um, the money kind of coming out of the account right now. Let's just wait till the end of that 14 day to flatten the curve. And you know, none of those people got websites. Um, so we had to figure out something else. We pivoted and we just were like, let's like start marketing board games on Kickstarter. I think we could do it. And uh, first one we did was the Isoferian Guard. We actually are branded crowdfunding nerds now. Uh, we did the Isoferian Guard was our first project. We volunteered for a, a friend of mine, Eric Bitterman, that um, he raised $260,000 on Kickstarter. And uh, was just he was telling me, like, the goal is, like, 50000 The break-even is actually, like, 90000 And if I don't make $90,000, he, he's, I mean, he would probably, maybe he would have canceled the campaign. I don't know what he would have done. But he didn't have that problem because we, it, it was a great game. And the advertising, people really loved it. We got the word out there. And then people, other people started asking me, can you do mine? Can you do mine? And I had a bunch of like scrubs from no, like nobody's like, this is my first game, but it's my baby. Can you help me? And it's like, yeah, because all of the big guys are like, he's a nobody. I don't want to hire some nobody. And so I, we started working for all the, the new people that had a dream and like zero people on their email list. And we have had over 100 Kickstarter campaigns that we've run. We have a over 95% success rate with our Kickstarter campaigns compared to the average, which is like 70 or so, or so for, uh, for board games. Um, and then this is my team. And then look at this guy. He's right there. He's working for us, and, um, and I am thankful. So he was in Colombia for a long time. He's in the UK. This guy is in China with his wonderful bride. And this guy's in San Diego along with, uh, with Alex. So uh, we've raised almost $15 million in funding. 
We've successfully funded lots of things. Most of our clients are scrubs, but we've done some pretty cool projects too. So we've worked for all sorts of, like I did the Dune RPG while the Dune movie was out. I've, we did Skyrim, we did you know Fallout, uh, Conan, Star Trek, a lot of, lot of cool IPs. I consulted for Dominion, um, Ascension, we did Ascension Tactics, we did uh, Star Realms, Epic trading card game. Um, funny story, I got fired from, uh, from uh, Wise Wizard Games because I wouldn't market Sorcerer and Bringer. You guys know what I'm talking about? I like, please, I hope, Debbie, if you're watching, I'm so sorry, but you, you know, I fired myself because they brought me in with Star Realms and they brought me in with Epic Trading Card Game. And I was like, yeah, this is awesome. And they're like, hey, why don't you market this satanic game about exploring the darker side of power with this woman who's holding a cup of blood and then three naked women behind her with vampire bites on her. I'm like, um, you know, like I'm working in the world. I'm just like Daniel and Rack Shack and Benny. Like, I'm going to do this. And, and I would like try to make an ad and I would just freeze. I'm like, I can't even like, I, my mind is blank right now. I, I don't know what to do. I feel bad like making more people get this. I'm just like, I went to them. I'm like, look, I, like my religion prevents me from like helping you now. I'm so sorry. And they're actually extremely nice people. They're not Christians, but they were just like, oh, you know, I totally understand. They very much respected me. And I'm sure it hurt their feelings because I kind of abandoned them when their Kickstarter was coming up and whatnot. But I just, you know, and so now we actually have a rule where it's like anything that's too sacrilegious, too much nudity, we're just not marketing that. And you would be shocked at how many RPGs we turn away. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, it's just fine. You know, the, the priest is leading everybody to hell, but it's a really good one-shot RPG campaign. I'm like, it's like a little bit dodgy. Um, so anyway, the topic is actually how I almost screwed everything up on Deliverance over and over and over again. Uh, that's really what I think it is. I think that most Christians, when they're making a game, oh yeah, so this is just a note. I use the New King James Version of the Bible in Deliverance. I, I think it's important to be consistent with the Bible version that you're using if you want to make a good Christian game. Um, I don't think one Bible version is superior to another. I do think there are some that you should absolutely stay away from, which I don't want to really get into here, but I, I was saved off of the NIV. My brother-in-law thinks the NIV is bad, but I got saved off of an NIV Bible. Um, I use the New King James Version because I just love how it's like artistic. It's like a beautiful language that I all, and I also kind of understand it, you know? King James, I just can't pisseth any, I, I can't. Um, you know, pisseth, they use way too many times in the King James Version. So, um, okay, so in the beginning, uh, here we go. <laughs> For, <laughs> I came up with that logo. I was like, that's, that's what it's going to be. We're going to have these cool wings and, and whatever. But um, we, um, we made, you know, just this, you know, a couple of pictures of the prototype, and here we go. So, um, I got really frustrated with Christian or with with secular games. So I, back in October 2015, I quit playing video games. Uh, like a very short version of this story, I felt led to fast or abstain from video games for a 40-day fast. And I would, like, I was a professional gamer. I put almost a thousand days played, 980 something days played, into a rogue in World of Warcraft. I was a guild leader. I ranked at one point top seven in the U.S and 33rd in the world in arena. I had a PVP team um, that uh, my, one of my arena partners won BlizzCon, Zillia the Paladin, and then another arena partner uh, took third at BlizzCon the next year, which was Ice Fox, Mage. And I was just hardcore, it was just, I, you know, we, we, I got, uh, I have all sorts of nerd cred there. And to go, and I was a professional Hearthstone player, so, I got paid to teach people how to hit legend in Hearthstone. And I wrote articles that got hundreds of thousands of downloads and that sort of thing. And that was like right before Twitch. And I had a, a buddy that I would play with, Rainhead27. Dude has 550,000 uh, Twitch subs on Hearthstone right now. It's like, you're still playing Hearthstone? That's like, isn't that old? You know? Blizzard's dumb now. Blizzard used to be cool, but now it's dumb, you know? So um, anyway, these are uh, the War of the Ring minis that, uh, that I jacked from that game. Um, I grabbed like chips off of Amazon and some random dice and, and things like that. I like it's really cool. So I use magic sleeves for you know for the various deck types and I wrote like you can see just like the text 
and then I, you know, would computer, I just typed out like how the phases work. This game was awful, awful, awful game. You would not have wanted to play. Uh, but the first, you know, if any of you are Christian game designers, first bit of advice I have for you, I did not make progress until I made this prototype. If you have a great idea in your head, it has to come out on paper and it's gonna be bad. And you're gonna romanticize it thinking, I have a really cool idea for a thing and you're gonna put it down and you're like, this does not work. You know, I had, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll share more about that later uh, of my own experience. But so the reason that I started making this, I started board gaming pretty hardcore because I didn't play video games. I started reading books out loud. I read the, almost the, the whole Wheel of Time series out loud to my wife and we stopped in book nine when it got a little edgy. Uh, I don't want to read certain things out loud to my wife. It's like, ah, oh, the story's slowing down. I'm gonna just like shelve it here. Um, and for those of you that know, but uh, then we we read Lord of the Rings. We read the Wingfeather Saga. We read like the Brother Band Chronicles and Rangers Apprentice and all like ton huge book series. And um, I we found Catan, and it was like every single day we would play two games like a night and just stay up late and come up with our own rules and that kind of thing. And that board game binge kind of led me into things like Twilight Imperium, like hardcore gaming. And like, I am a fantasy gamer. I love my dragons and swords and sorcery and that kind of thing. And um, so I would naturally lean toward those types of games. But whenever I would look into a game like that, it's like, you know, I, I was okay enough at the time with like playing WoW there was voodoo and there were warlocks that would suck the soul out of a squirrel and like spawn their demon pet, which was a good guy. Like, I, I mean, I don't see what's wrong with that. Um, but, you know, when I start playing these, these other games, it's like, it's a lot, there's a lot of that. You know, there's a lot of that and there's a lot of sacrilegiousness in games that you have to compromise your faith. You know, that's, that's, that's the way I saw it for myself at least. Everybody has to make their own d determination. Like, is this okay? Paul says that a lot of things are okay, but not all things are edifying, right? Like you can do anything you want once, right? You can jump off a cliff once. Um, you can do anything you want, but it's not all beneficial, right? It's, uh, so I think, you know, put things in your mind that are edifying, put things in your mind that are, that are good, right? Versus like accepting what the world has. But the problem is as a Christian, there were like, there's Christian games suck. They suck. They're awful. They're not fun. They don't exist to be a game. They exist to preach at you. And the problem is that, like, God's Not Dead did pretty okay. Did you guys know God's Not Dead 4 has a 100% score on Rotten Tomatoes? Has 250 reviews, 100% score. Uh, but non-Christians don't watch that movie. Why? Because it's, like, confirmation bias. Like, a Christian will watch and be like, you preach it, David A.R. White. Like, you tell them, guys, that you know, we're, we're America. And um, so, but it's just not, it's not stuff that's interesting to a non-Christian. They're like, well, I disagree with this. I think it's dumb and it's cheesy and it's low budget. So I'm just not even going to engage. So how does that movie like really penetrate into a secular culture that has rejected God, right? So you're making something to preach at someone that doesn't want to hear your preaching. So your target market has rejected you and therefore you're not going to sell many things. Right? So we have to make things for people that want the things, right? And so, um, here we go, standing on my soapbox. So this is a fun picture. Uh, Donnie Chase, uh, John, and now I'm forgetting his last name, but these guys came up with me to um, Washington, uh, Seattle, Washington, for a, a convention that I was invited to by one guy, uh, which was uh, Norwest Con. I will attend a convention. If one fan wants me to go, I will go to meet them. Like that's, it's all about, for me, the, my fans, like that's all I care about. Like right here, it's really fun to, to show the game to new people and to sell copies and whatnot. But I want the one fan to like, just be all hardcore like this. The, you know, of course these people, they both backed the game. They both went all in. And then the guy that brought me, his name is Brian Bateman. And he became a hardcore playtester of mine really early on. He must've brought like you know, 10 people to back Deliverance. He became an angel. He was the one that invented the idea of the angel investor pledge, which was a $750 pledge where you would get the all in plus a really sweet set of painted custom minis. And he was like, uh, you know, instrument. I sold 47 of those during Kickstarter. 
and all for one guy. I flew up to Seattle. Gas was not as expensive as now, but I flew up to Seattle for that one guy because God said go. You know, um, that's another thing we'll talk about is God says go. Lesson number one, Christy is always right. This is my rule, and I think every game designer <laughs> needs to have her number on speed dial. Christy is always right. So um, we played, uh, here, let's see. Here's a, a wonderful picture of my wife. We did some filming. That's actually Uriel. He looks like a homeless man, but he's actually one of my best friends, Brighton. Uh, we wrestled together. He helped so much with Deliverance. I'm so proud to be his friend. This was the very first prototype I ever made. Again, it was, it was rough. It was pretty rough. It was pretty fun, though. Um, we played, uh, so there were six battles in Deliverance there. The first battle, Christy and I played for two and a half hours, and we died. And she says to me afterwards, she's like, you know, you might want to shorten this down to like three battles or maybe two battles. And I'm like, let's shorten it to five. Let's try five. You guys know, like, a lot of you play Deliverance, and you're like, two battles is a pretty chonky game. You know, you can be like two hours, three, three hours if you're playing like a high difficulty, and, and uh, it, it gets gnarly. So I'm like, no, nah, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. Well, something like uh, three years later, we're at two battles. Like, it was a six-year journey, and, uh, you know, we made it to two battles. So here are a couple of other fun pictures. This was actually how... We originally set out the, um, so I wanted things to be random and like kind of procedurally generated. And so we originally were gonna say, okay, there was Herodian used to be his name. I don't know why I named him that. Herodian the Great and one, two, three, and four players, there were, you know, you would always put him into play. Hateful Spirit, you would put two into play here and then two more into play there. Fallen Seraphim, you would put, you know, and that's kind of how that worked. Um, the map tiles used to be really huge. They were like a foot, Long, you know, a foot wide and, and everything, and uh, it just wasn't very good. So, um, now, how did it come to be? The, the origin story of Deliverance, I got Seventh Continent. I put 120 bucks in on their Kickstarter. It was like the $7 million a Seventh Continent, and I'm just like, this is going to be great. It's basically like Indiana Jones adventure exploration. And we get the game finally. I'm so excited. We sleeve all those cards, every single card, and I'm look, it's like you know 600 cards or something, and uh, their their top stretch goal was 606666666 dollars, and uh, it was you know should have seen it coming a mile away. It's like the sacrilegious version of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. It's like the more sacrilegious version, and you know a lot of people would be fine with it and. My wife and I felt like, like, that's the type of game I have a rule that if I go to a con like this and somebody says, hey, would you play Spirit Island with me? I will say, sure. But I don't want to buy Spirit Island, take it into my own house because I just feel like it's not the type of game that I, that I want to spend my time with. The problem is Spirit Island is so good of a game, right? It's such a good game. Seventh Continent's kind of the same way. It's a really great exploration game. But we felt like, you know, it was a little, for us, it was on the edge of what was okay, and when some and my wife turns to me and said, "I just don't feel comfortable playing this," and for me it was like, "Well, I do, I do, you know, I do. You don't, but I do, so it's fine, you know, it's fine for me. Fine, go over there. I'll just play by myself. It's fine, <laughs> you know." And eventually, I threw that thing in the trash. I was like, "Do I give it away? Do I sell it? Like, do I want more people to have this?" It's just I got so upset at that experience that such an awesome game that I was so hyped about that a lot of, a lot of Christians enjoy, and it's cool for them, but it wasn't for me. And I was so frustrated. It was like, you know, I need to go out on a run or something, and I don't like running. I don't like running at all, but it was either that or like headbutt the wall until, you know, I didn't have any um, consciousness left. And so my wife encouraged me, just go out on a run. Like, you need to get out of the house. And I started just, God, I, I, I yelled at God. I was very upset. And, and I was just like, God, you are the God of the universe. And yet there are no good Christian games for me. Like I have to compromise the awesomeness of a game. I have to play something that's not innovative, that is just, 
you know, a Christian made it because, oh, I want to play Magic, but Christian. I want to play Catan, but Christian. I want to play Pandemic, but Christian. And it was like, why not just play Pandemic? Or Pandemic's not sacrilegious. Why do I want a, Christ a worse version of Pandemic when I have a better version, you know? It's like, uh, Christians are like, oh, oh, but it's not Christian. It's like, yeah, but it's stupid, so I'm not going to buy it, you know? It's like, I'll buy it and support you, and then it's going to sit on my shelf of shame because I'm ashamed to show it to anyone, not to play it my, like, it's actually not as good. So if you want to get gamers in the hobby, make a good game. And these are not great, for the most part. Now, there are some really good Christian games that have come out. I've actually been able to, and if anybody's watching this, I want to market your Christian game. Um, if, if it's good, I want to market it. Um, we've helped, uh, we helped the folks do commission, the call expansion. We did the flood. Um, we did... Uh, another like a video game it's like a triple a game called one of 500 that we're working with and then of course deliverance and a couple others kind of coming down the pipe but they're they're so few and far between we, we helped animo we did a couple of kickstarters for animo um so i just laid it all out like god knows what's in your heart he knows how mad you are and whatnot like if you use words you're using them in here just speak them you'll see how stupid you sound like i did you know like God, you are the ruler of the universe, the king of kings, the guy who gives everyone every thought that knows whatever you're, you know, everybody's going to say. Why can't you make a good game that I can play, that I don't have to compromise the awesomeness of, of the game, and I don't have to compromise my faith, you know? And I was just like, you know, I was like, that's it, right? I just kind of laid it out there. And what I didn't realize was that God was saying, or that I was saying, here am I, send me, you know? I just... One of many, one of many that I didn't know anybody else. It's like uh, Elijah, you know, oh, I'm the only one that hasn't bent Anita Bale. And God's like, there are a lot of people that you just don't know about that haven't bent Anita Bale, you know. And uh, so I'm, I just started on this journey. So that was the origin story. God gave me a vision of like how I just started thinking about like Gabriel and how he fought the prince of Persia for 21 days in Daniel chapter 9. He did not beat the Prince of Persia. He had to wait till Michael the Archangel came to relieve him so that he could go deliver a message to, to Daniel. And then he, he was like, hey, Daniel, I have to leave and go back to help Michael with the Prince of Persia because Michael cannot beat him on his own. And then later the Prince of Greece is going to come and occupy their time too. And I was like, how did the Prince of Persia withstand Gabriel? The, the hey, Mary, baby Jesus is, is on his way, Gabriel. You know, the messenger of God, like the most, you know, the one of the two named angels in the Bible, you know, and, and also how would he withstand Michael, the archangel, the fighter, the, the commander of like, you know, you've got Jesus as the commander in chief, then the five-star general is Michael, the archangel, right? It's like, how did this demon withstand Michael, the archangel? And that is what, um, what I got started. So there are a couple of Bible verses that I have with, with art and, and that kind of thing, um, 1 Timothy 4.13, till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. That was what God told me to do. When I say God told me, I have Bible studies and the Holy Spirit just kind of, sometimes certain words just leap off the page at you and it feels like that was meant for you right now and you just kind of feel it. Other times other people tell you something and you just, that Holy Spirit is going to um, speak to you. That Holy Spirit's inside you. He's not going to lay dormant. He's going to talk, right? And you know, just be in whatever way you'll listen, he'll talk to you. That's what I think. And so this leaped off the page to me and it was like the rallying cry for what I need to do in order to make deliverance. Give attention to reading, exhortation, and doctrine. Exhortation is encouragement with like emphasis, like haste and, you know, hurry up and urgency. Um, reading is obviously read that Bible. Read the Bible, understand what it says. Know what it says. Know how to Know the context of what it is that you're reading. Know why it's written this way and that kind of thing. And it was so important for deliverance. So, hey, Josh, I was just talking trash on, like, every Christian game except for Animo. Um, so, um, yeah, I brag on you guys a little bit. It's a, uh, Animo is, is actually a really great game. And I personally, if you guys haven't checked out Animo, excellent, excellent for kids. It's, it's like the, the simplest way that I can describe it is Christian Pokemon but it does its own thing. It's very, very cool in the way that it helps children memorize scripture, 
You've got Pokemon cards laying all over your house just being shredded. Why not have animal cards laying all over your house being shredded? Like, that's, that's what I think. Yeah. <laughs> Check in the mail, please. Um, okay, so I want to talk about the angels. So the angels of deliverance. This is the rallying cry for the angels. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This is what the angels have. These are the criteria for the angels of deliverance. So the spirit of fear, they can't be monstrous. They can't be godlike. The angels in deliverance are just kind of like good-looking people with two wings. They are not biblical angels. It's fantasy, right? It's Christian fantasy. And a lot of people are like, you know, these aren't real angels. It's like, oh, I'm sorry that you're not freaked out so bad. You bow down and worship these giant eyeball, crazy-looking creatures. And, uh, you know, it's like, that sounds like not a fun game. That sounds like Jumanji, um, you know. So... This is our, our criteria for every one of the angels. Um, and I want to talk about Azrael. So Azrael, the angel, um, Dan Maynard is outside. He's the artist for all of these and uh, just amazing. Um, I mean, that's a, a, a God story in and of itself, connecting with him. But so this was the actually the original sketch for Azrael, the angel. We did, uh, Dan did this. And then later, Dan did that. This face. This guy has seen some stuff, right? Like, just look into those eyes. He has killed a lot of people. Um, so, <laughs> it's, it's, it's terrifying. Um, so, we closed his eyes. We closed his eyes. And I did this. I'm like, hey, let's, let's, let's do it like this, where he has his, It's actually, if you look at the back of every angel, there's, there's, they're uh, inspired by Scripture. And Habakkuk uh, 3, verse 4 and 5 is like, you know, his brightness was like the light, and fever followed at his feet, and plague went before him, and pestilence behind him. And it's like, oh, that sounds like the angel of death to me. So, but just biblically inspired, I thought, this guy needs to close his eyes. It was just real creepy to me. And uh, I didn't want to have a spirit of fear, but I wanted a spirit of power and of love. And very importantly, where Azrael failed, a sound mind. The guy with the, he's not, he looks like a serial killer. <laughs> now he's cool. So that's kind of what he looks like now. Um, and, very, you know, a lot of people play him, and, and uh, he's pretty awesome. Uh, but he's very, uh, I, like, he passes all of those, all of those things. Um, the, uh, I, I did an April Fool's joke last year, and I was joking um, with these guys earlier that I lost, like, five Deliverance fans. Christians can be so square, so square. They don't understand humor. When it comes to Christian things, they're not in the mindset of funny because God is not to be mocked, but God's got a sense of humor. He's, he gave us our sense of humor. He's, he, he would, gen, in, within reason, I think he would laugh with us at most things, especially when we say how things are going to be. He'll laugh hardest then, you know? But, um, I did this joke. I said, you guys want angels the way that they are supposed to be? Here's angels the way they're supposed to be. So I thought based on, you know, customer feedback and everyone, I just, it, on April Fool's, I wanted to let everyone know I've made modifications to each angel, and now they will be the godlike eyeball-filled beings that you all requested. And there were people that were like, no, you can't do that. That's it. I'm quitting. Oh, this game is, is demonic now. And it's like, you guys don't understand this is a joke. And then other people were like so embarrassed that they left our Facebook group and stuff like that. It's like, you know, I don't know what to say to these people. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like, you know what? I don't, I don't like your Christian stuff. It's demonic. I'm going to go watch Game of Thrones now and, and just like, you know, watch all the boobies everywhere and, and that kind of thing. It's like, you know, no offense to anyone who watches Game of Thrones. But you see a lot of boobies from what I've heard. And uh, so, uh, yeah, so anyway, I just think, you know, if you want a cool Christian thing and you just say, like, you know, oh, it's got, like, a grain of sand over here. It's dirty. You know, it's like, you know, I, it just, there, I think some people expect perfection, and it's not going to be perfect, and you're not going to get everybody on board. There are a lot of Christians I mentioned. Um, oh, talk, we'll talk about the bow next. You notice there's no ranged character in Deliverance uh, that uses a bow. 
Um, but, you know, there, I, I mentioned before, a lot of Christians that are mainstream Christians, I, I talked about myself, God likening me to Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the signet ring to the nations of that time, the Gentile nations. Every Christian that I worked with, every Christian of influence did not help me. My own pastor would not give me Kurt Cameron's phone number. Um, he would not give me the time of day on this. In fact, I, I met with him, talked with him. I showed him something, you know, showed him the box and like, this is what I'm trying to do. And he was like, okay, okay, let me think about it. And just radio silence for the next month. I'm like, you know, this is like kind of a, a bummer. Um, and I just didn't get support from like Christians in places of influence and power. I will say to Dallas Jenkins credit, that fellow had some, some people in his retinue that I guess uh, one of our, our fans happens to be Dallas Jenkins' roommate from college, and he told Dallas about it, and we did some, like, you know, communication through this person as, like, the conduit, and I just told Dallas, like, hey, I really love what you're doing with The Chosen. We support you. You go get him, Tiger. Like, we're behind you, and then he, gave, he actually gave us a shout-out while our Kickstarter was live and got a bunch of backers. He got so much flame for that. He was, you know, people were like, how much did they pay you to sell your soul to the devil for what you just did? You, 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 you know, money changer and, you know, dishonest scale person. It's like that guy goes through some stuff. He, I absolutely love when he just shares the chosen feedback that's, like, negative and horrible. It's like the, the, um, we're as... Christian game designers were supposed to be perfect in all our ways and never, you know, I, I have news for you. I am a dirty, rotten sinner. I have a dirty mouth sometimes. I, you know, am uh, kind of stupid. Um, not that smart. So anyway, that's uh, just something that I think is common that you will deal with as a Christian. You will deal with as a Christian game designer, people telling you, hey, you're not perfect. It's like, well, you know, look in the mirror, bro, or sis. Whatever it is. So, okay, let's talk about the bow. I fought with God so hard about this. Okay. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Um, I did not trust in the Lord with all my heart. I leaned on my own understanding. I was like, you know, in every fantasy game, there is the bow user, right? We all like the ranger or the hunter or whatever, like... There's the person in this room that's like, I played a hunter and wow, you know? It's like, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> so there used to be. So this was one of Dan's item concept uh, sketches he drew. And if you notice right here, the light speed quiver used to be in the game. That is now the writer's ink horn. If you, if you look, the writer's ink horn is what the light speed quiver used to be. And... There also be, uh, used to be, like, so this was an older art piece, um, Adam Glass right over here. He's my long time. I could not have done Deliverance without this guy. He helped me so much for. I love you, Adam. <laughs> I could not have done it without that man. <sighs> he had to call his wife and tell her that I was real when we met together. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Sorry about that. We tried hard. We lived. We laughed. We argued. We had a good time. So the Hydra bow. Um, we made it, you know. Um, we actually used Dan Maynard's bow. I'm sorry, I'm like on this emotional something or other. I can't help myself. Um, and God said no. I don't understand why he did that. I don't understand. Um, but uh, we have like other items that are just like stupid. I don't understand. Like, why would an angel have a hawk? It's like, God's okay with that one though, you know? but he didn't like the bow. It's like, why not? You know, it's like you've got these epically powerful angels. Maybe like they're too fast for arrows or something. Like, I don't know. We've got a cruel archer in the game, you know, 
and that was a fallen angel. Like, so all the demons represent angels. They were once angels. So I know that one day we'll have a bow user, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll have a good time, but it was not to be in this. It was just, I had, actually, I have a character I made called Maverick. I just nicknamed him Maverick because I was like, I don't know. He has, like, his passive is called the Even Star. I just, like, am naming stuff. I think this sounds cool. I think that sounds cool. But I could never make it fun, you know? It was just like, you know, you, like, in essence, you're just, like, punching stuff from two range away, and you have a minimum range. You can't attack anything in range of one. And it just wasn't fun. It just wasn't nearly as cool. So uh, it just, I just eventually stopped working on it and cut it and was like, argued with God, like, there's always a bow character in fantasy games. And God just didn't really say anything back. He didn't melt my face or anything like that. He just, you know, was like, okay, son, get it all out. Y'all, you done? You done now? Okay. Make your sword characters. More sword characters, you know? So, anyway. Uh, so the demons. I talked about this before. So I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him bears much fruit, for without me, you can do nothing. I could do nothing without being uh, uh, attached to the vine. And I mentioned Jumanji, the scary thing. So Christians are very optimistic. They're cautiously optimistic, usually when they see deliverance. They're like, all right, this looks Christian. Like a Christian is like, it looks Christian. A non-Christian, an atheist is like, that looks Christian. I don't know, you know. That looks too Christian, like Michael the Archangel jumping into the horde of demons. I have had so many at conventions, so many people are like, that looks Christian, you know? I'm just like, oh, yeah, they're not going to like this. And then others are like, oh, that looks Christian. I was like, oh, they're going to love this. Okay. So I, one time I was at BGG Spring. This is back in, I think, 2019. And there was a guy that was like, I would ask everybody that walked by that stopped and looked. You know, they would walk by it like, you know, 30 feet away so that you can't like drag them in. It's like, hey brother, yeah, right here, talk to me about my game now. I'm gonna sell you the game. Email list, please. Um, they walk it like 30 feet away. And he was like walking and he kind of stopped and like walked and like stopped and it's like, I was like, hey, you like dungeon crawlers? Because I thought Deliverance was a dungeon crawler at the time and it's not. And uh, he's just like, nope, we don't like dungeon crawlers. I'm like, why not? So we don't play anything with magic or any, any spellcraft or witchcraft or whatever. He's like, dude, get over here right now. You have to see this, you know. And he, he went all in during the Kickstarter. But the thing that people are, are concerned with is, is, I call it Jumanji, but, or Pandora's box. Like you get deliverance, you open the box, and then the demons just go, Bleh! you know, like the Ghostbusters. Like you press the thing and all the, the ghosts come out. It's like, dude. We have to finish this game to get the, the demons back in the box, you know? I just, I felt like there's a certain level of realism that I could, uh, like a line that I could not cross because even with something like this, like we're dealing with demons. You interact with Satan during the campaign. Like there are some serious, minor spoiler. Um, you like, it's, it's like some pretty crazy stuff that you deal with. So I needed the demons not to be like, really, really gnarly. I didn't want their organs and entrails falling over. I didn't want baby heads sticking out of their shoulders and like whatever is just ridiculous stuff. Like I know somebody like some 18 year old is going to buy it and be like, mom, I spent all my money on this. And, uh, the mom is going to be like, oh, and just, you know, make them burn it. So, uh, these, this is like an older version of some of these, uh, minions. You can see it's, uh, they're a little less cool, but there's like a certain level of like restraint in each one. I would say probably the gnarliest dude would be the unclean spirit. Maybe the fallen seraph because he's all business. Um, you know, Legion's kind of gnarly. Cruel Archer's literally using his rib cage as a quiver. Um, so that's, that's kind of gnarly. But there's this, I'd say, you know, maybe above all the abomination. It's kind of like a Japanese oni, you know. He's uh, maybe the most, like, scary of, of all the monstrous demons. But yeah, yeah, seriously, <laughs> just kill him. So we've got, you know, the, the demonic, uh, you know, the, what I call the fallen princes, the, uh, the gnarly dudes that you fight. There's a certain level of restraint that Dan Maynard did. He's, you know, again, outside. He did such a good job restraining himself with the, the various demons. And actually, if you look at, uh, at Deva, the prince of Persia, his fingers 
are tornadoes. Like it's it's just like so cool. I'm, I'm extremely excited about that. Um, so the there's a certain level of restraint that I felt needed to be there because it needed to be light enough. I really think that that real demons look like angels, that they look beautiful, and but their hearts are darkened, right? What I wanted to show is more concept, you know? I wanted to show, and actually even the angels are that way too, where they don't look like demons. And as a Christian game designer, if you guys are going to make a Christian game, and you call it Christian game, you, you, you can't do anything because it's cool. You have to do something. You have to have a reason that you're doing the thing. So the angels... The angels, I want people to see themselves in the angel. That's why we've got, we, we actually celebrate culture. I'm very, uh, if, if you know me, I'm very unwoke. But I think it's so, I mean, there are really great points on, on we'll say, uh, all sides in regard to culture. I think the Bible says every culture is going to be represented in heaven. There are people from every tribe, kindred, language, and, and nation in heaven. So, I think that people that, uh, so I wanted the angels to kind of celebrate that and acknowledge that. And it also made it just really cool. It's like, let's get a Japanese angel, a Chinese angel, a angel like Sardius is from Ethiopia. We've got Uriel is Polynesian. Um, you know, Gabriel is, is Roman. Christine is Greek. You know, a lot of these are based on friends of mine. Like Shula is my sister-in-law. Gabriel's my brother-in-law. Um, Christine is my wife. Uriel is my buddy Brighton. And um, may, who knows, maybe some of you will make it into the game too. I just, I don't charge anything for that. I just ask God, do you want this person in the game? And then if I feel a clear answer, then you're in the game. So Jacob, I really think you're going to be the quartermaster. We're going to have like heaven's quartermaster one day. And I really think that you're, you're going to be used as that. So sign your release uh, already. Um, so the, the, the reason that you do something can never be because it's cool. It always has to be a, a, a legit reason that you've thought through. They can disagree with it, and you can say, thank you for your feedback, and not change, as long as you have a reason that you did things the way you did. You know, People will say, like, you know, Pokemon's the devil. Why do you make it cards? Why not make it roll and move and like, things like that? You can say, thank you for your feedback. You know, and So would you like to buy more? Um, okay, so this story is actually related to Dan Maynard. I let him know that I was going to talk to him about this. So this was the original Euphrates frog. After This is Armus. He is one of the fallen princes. There's actually a, a fight where you fight all three Euphrates frogs. It's kind of like a revelation reference in, uh, with you know, one card, and they're, they're gnarly. And while Dan was doing this, he had a, um, a druggie break into his house. He, he, was, he was painting this. He went to bed at 3 in the morning. He had a druggie break into his house at 3.30 and steal his computer while he was working on that. Didn't get it uploaded. It was like about two days' worth of work. It ended up that they, uh, they, they stole the TV. They stole all sorts of stuff. It was crazy. I think all of my team that works on deliverance goes through some intense spiritual warfare wherever God allows the you know demons to whatever he allows them to do they do it to like their very you know their might we know that job when god said you have full reign job's family was killed his stuff was stolen his house was wrecked and his friends turned against him and his his own wife was like curse god and die you know and like all that at like once so we know that if demons get full hold of you you're just donezo you know and then god was like okay you can make him sick too and Satan made him look like the dragon from Sword in the Stone or whatever. You know when Merlin was fighting the dragon from Sword in the Stone? Anyway, so sorry, Job. I know you probably don't find that funny. But uh, so his stuff was stolen. And actually, the computer was the only thing they managed to recover with, with that art piece on it. It's something that just left a, a mark on me. I know Adam probably has his own stories. I didn't ask permission for him to share, so I won't ask him to share. So, um, okay, so this is something certain people you think are going to really add something to you will not. You know, the pastor I thought was going to add something. I helped a guy go from 15,000 Facebook fans to 2 million. I helped him build his email list. I started, I started his email list and did his newsletters every week diligently. We built his email list to over 50,000 people in nine months. I helped him. I don't want to say I did it. I certainly didn't. They, the guy has like a very powerful ministry. But 
I went to him and asked him for help, and he said no. It was like I thought he would, you know, I worked for him, volunteer basis, slaved and that kind of thing. And then he, he said, you know, it's just he only, like, endorses his stuff. It's like, hmm, I guess I should have maybe expected that. I don't know. But the people that you think are going to add something to you will add, may add nothing. The people you think may add nothing to you could be all the thing you need. So I, myself, work with those people um, that, are, that want to work with me, you know? The, like I said, just the common fan, the person that's like, I backed your game all in on Kickstarter already. And I'm like, you know, look them up and down. I was like, you don't look like you, know, you can afford angel investor pledge, so can't get anything more out of you. I'm gonna go off and like find somebody who I can sell something to. I do not feel that way because that one person has a small group, has a group of friends that I don't have. They're gonna play games with people. They, I mean, I had during our Kickstarter, I had somebody say, I got all of my small group members to back except for this one guy and we're working on them right now, you know? And uh, it's just, it's so cool, you know, when you get those people, that's, that's what I really value. But this I thought was really cool is, you know, do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. I, I managed, so I reached out to um, actually Kyle Mann of the Babylon Bee. I don't know how you guys, like, where I'm not like trying to talk politics or anything here, but Kyle is a board gamer. He's also the editor-in-chief of a thing that has like 2 million fans. And so I reached out and was like, hey, you know, I know he's a Christian. Do you, do you want to talk about deliverance at all? And he told me, dude, you're in Fallbrook. You need to come to my house. And we played, I went to his house, met his family, we played deliverance a couple of times, game nights and that kind of thing. And he brought me onto the Babylon Bee podcast, which was downloaded 50,000 times and, you know, other things like that. And he just did what he could to, to lift me. That was probably, that was like one of our big breaks. That was also on day two of our Kickstarter. I'm like, okay, a $39,000 goal. I think we can deliver. We'll charge shipping separate. And then we made $141,000 on the first day with 900 comments. And then I decided to leave for the entire next day. Like, I'm going to travel and go to the Babylon Bee headquarters and, like, respond to nobody. My wife and then another guy, Ryan Williams, were just, like, just, like, hurrying up and getting through all the comments and just like, but it was so cool that I got support like that. Um, we had a couple of big breaks. We had Dallas Jenkins lifted me up. Kyle Mann lifted me up. Um, we had, we had others. Uh, one of them was this man right here, Sam Healy. He was like, so I went to, I actually paid on a Kickstarter 250 bucks for the right to have breakfast with the Dice Tower crew. I brought deliverance with the express intent of getting Sam Healy or Tom Vassell to play. They are very vocal about, we do not play prototypes. They are not real games, you know? We have played 5,000 real games. We're not gonna play a prototype. And this guy, I, I sat down at breakfast right next to Tom. Tom can put away food like nobody I've ever seen. That guy eats some shrimp. He almost put that Vegas buffet out of business. And um, I, I was just like, hey, Tom, he was like, he didn't even say a word. He just like looked at me and I handed him the deliverance box and he took it, looked at it. He turned it around. He's like, this looks cool. And then he handed it back to me. And then I take it over to Sam and I say, hey, Sam, you know, and uh, there was this, this girl from the Dice Tower that was like hissing at the game. She was like, re, re, you know, and uh, hated the game from its look. You know, she was just. Oftentimes I find when, when non-Christians are offended by deliverance, it's most often because they've been hurt in their past by someone that said, I'm a Christian, also, you know, did this horrible thing. Um, that is much easier to put up with. You know, you've got uh, out of, let's say, you know, 10 atheists, um, one of them may be very anti-God militantly. Um, nine of them are like, oh, yeah, you know, that's cool. If it's cool, I'll play it. It's kind of like Marvel to me. Or like Greek mythology, you know, I'll, I'll play a mythology. That's cool mythos that you've got there. Yeah, I'll play angel mythos and Jesus mythos. Um, but the Christian, I have nine out of ten that are my biggest fans. And then that one, or maybe like five out of ten that are biggest fans, a couple that don't mind. And that one that's like, you are going to hell unless you change this one thing. You know, it's like can't, you know, I can't, sorry, I have the reason for doing it. Sam Healy uh, really helped me. He 
sat down and played that game with me at that con. And it was so cool. He talked to the team. Later on, we actually um, won Tom Bassel's crowd surfing pick of the week um, during our Kickstarter. He, and he said, selfishly, I really hope this game gets made. I love this theme. I really want to see this game. And uh, we, we got like, you know, $20,000 in, in sales from that. Um, $250 well spent. These guys, who knows these guys? They helped me without even a question. They were just like, yes. It's like, but you don't even know my question yet. You know, it was like, we'll do it. You know, they, that's, that's the heart of these guys. I, I just am like, they're like the lions of your organization. I'm like, now they're like number, number one and number two. But I knew them when they were like number three and four or whatever, you know? So, and tyranny as well. You're awesome. So many, many of these folks. So there's Kyle, Kyle and I. We were actually playing Sanctum. It's like Diablo, uh, Diablo 2 or 3. It's, it's really fun, but like once you played it once, you're like, okay, now I know the game. You play it a second time, you're like, okay, that was the same, you know? So anyway, uh, so we did reopen free orders for LTN Con. It's, uh, they're they're going to be open for about two weeks more. Um, the, uh, we want the LTN Con radio people to get it, or it's like uh, going to be on a podcast next week, so... I'm going to give people a week from that date or so um, to get the game. At the, at the original Kickstarter price of $89, you, you're going to pay a little bit more shipping than Kickstarter backers did, but um, that's you know just, just for LTNCon, folks. Uh, go to the website, deliverancethegame.com. Deliverancethegame.com, and that is the only button that will get you to the pre-order store. So you go to Kickstarter, it'll tell you to go to deliverancethegame.com, and that's the button. Pre-orders are open. So guys, the next slide. For those of you that are interested in Deliverance, the expansion is in progress. We had someone approach us from the Babylon Bee interview and offer us an investment for, uh, to simply work to accelerate what Deliverance is doing. So we have, we're working closely with them and we're in final stages to accept an investment so that Dan Maynard will now work for me on a full-time basis, art for deliverance. That's what he's going to do. Um, I'll need people that do game development that can help me make new angels, make new demons, other things like that. We're, we're, we're working that right there, but uh, for all of you guys that are seeing this, and you know, I don't know if anybody's there, if you think you've got those chops, um, I would be very open-minded, and we're going to try to make this happen. The goal is an expansion within 12 to 18 months. That's the plan. So... Um, we have a couple of irons in the fire, and um, Chris, you want to show them one of the other irons? So, does anyone have any questions while um, Chris is doing what he's doing? Any questions for me? No. So the base game will release. Uh, we're estimating Q1. So we're estimating Q1. Um, so I think you may need to. Exit out my full. Oh, okay. So, I don't know what my PowerPoint is. Cool. Okay. So, yeah, so Q1, it should be released. And here's another iron in the fire. This is Chris Cantero. Hey. He is our video game designer. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Do you mind? Shades up? Oh, there we go. Way better. Yeah, it might be okay with those shades up. Yeah. yeah. This is Christine, before she was the voice of thunder. See, it's another prototype.
Yeah, so this game is a, uh, it's a kind of a platformer. Chris, you want to share what you intend it to be? Yeah, so the, the intent is when, like all of these graphics are obviously gonna change, but um, the intent is to have an interesting fight with each different demon type and a way to glory kill that demon type. So a certain way that is most effective to destroy that demon, that gets you a better chance to get loot and, and health and courage and whatnot. And um, so when they're all mixed together, it's gonna be a real interesting fight. Um, the prayer mechanic is used to suck all of the coins or, or loot toward you. Um, it's going to be used to shut down summoning portals on the ground where demons come out. And yeah, so uh, yes. And then in addition to that, the way that we kind of envision it to, to move is you're going to kind of get new, like, so you see this kind of like lasso thing going on. Um, you're going to need that to make it through certain areas. And so that's kind of, we're doing this little Metroidvania thing where the expansion or, you know, the, you get an item and then you can venture into like a new zone, if that makes sense. So uh, we've got, I, I wrote an entire story for a Deliverance prequel. I intended to write um, a, uh, oh, there we go. So I intended to write a book for uh, the Deliverance prequel and God just gave me a vision for that thing. Yeah, you can hop up the lights, thanks. Um, so God gave me a vision for, like, it was like, you know, 1130 at night. It was a work night, and my wife was like, come to bed. And I'm like, but wait, I have an idea. And I sat on my phone for like 30 minutes and typed out this entire story, like the timeline of what would happen and when. And it was a Deliverance prequel where you have this angel that, um, you know, how do you make an angel interesting, right? How do you grow an angel from zero to, like, to hero? So the concept is Christine was a temple angel from the time that she was made. And then Jesus goes to Michael and says, Michael, Christine is switching her job. She's going to be a fighter and you need to uh, teach her. So that's kind of the premise of the game. It happens about like 75 years or so before deliverance. There's a lot that's you know, still in progress, but you have Christine. She is not the voice of thunder. So you've got Christine. <laughs> no title. <laughs> And uh, so that's the, that's the plan. Um, we've got a lot of work to do, but that's the current intent for deliverance. So um, any other questions? Roosevelt. Oh, the balance is like like this probably. Um, so I find balance is a curious thing. You, you know, it's it's never like everything gets an even amount. Um, you know, some person's balance might be like 80% toward the family and then 20% toward the work or whatever it is, right? And um, I will say that I have a really awesome team. Um, the people at Next Level Web, that is my company, and crowdfunding nerds, they have done so much to support what it is that, that, that I've done with Deliverance. There's this meme, you know, this, the meme, I don't know if, it, if uh, it will resonate with you guys or you'll know it, but there's like a mom that's playing with a baby while like a kid, like her kid is like practically drowning like right in front of the camera. That was uh, Sean, one of the guys that works for me. He said it was like Andrew and the baby was Deliverance and then the kid drowning was Sean with all the work, you know? <laughs> and uh, it was just so funny, but they just, they, they've never complained one time. They've always supported as hard as they can, and they work to all their might so that I can actually afford to keep paying those people, afford to pay myself and work on deliverance. And I put work in, I do some, some hours, like I say, like as a small business owner, you get to work half days and whichever 12 hours you work is up to you. So, you know, it's, um, you don't have any boss telling you you know, what, 12 hours to work. So, um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, my kids, my wife, they've sacrificed a lot. Uh, one thing is so important is the buy-in of your family. You know, my wife was ready. Like we had $46,000 put on our home equity line of credit for deliverance. When I told that to some game designers or some uh, publishers that wanted the game, they were like completely shocked and blown away that somebody could spend, 
you know, $80,000 on art. It was like, yeah, but like Christians need a thing that they can be proud of, you know? And it's, it's like my wife was on board. I used every bit of disposable income I had and filled up a credit card and filled up almost $50,000 on a home equity line of credit. And it was all paid off on the first day. God told me to do it. He's like, you know what? If God tells me to do it, I'm going to do it. And if I'm in fat debt after this, I know that God told me to do it. I will pay it off and can't take it with you anyway. So it's, it's like God, God said go and I'm going to listen, you know, very stubbornly. And he sure made that work. So um, God is always faithful. Um, and that's probably how, you know, God helps so much. So any other questions? All right. Well, thank you guys for your time. It's really been a pleasure. All right, so let's get on out there and play some Deliverance and other games too, you know?